Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. My guest this week is uh, Vanessa Ruck. Uh, she goes by the girl on a bike on her Instagram. This woman is nothing but inspiring. She's gone through seven surgeries in seven years. She was hit by a car on her bicycle. Somehow during all that, she developed a love for motorcycles, and now she's racing in some of the hardest races in the world just through sheer will. Uh, her body's aching, but she comes. She overcomes that, overcomes every obstacle. She shows you that she's not superhuman. She's just regular, just a regular person doing extraordinary things. She inspired me. I hope that she inspires you, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. This part never gets old, and I say that. I say it never gets old every time. No, every week I go, this never gets old. One, two, three. Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. I am hyped as I always am. I always say no guest is greater than the other one. I mean, I just, for people to take their time out to talk to me, I am so grateful. And this guest today, oh my God, it, I, I literally stalked her from Instagram. I remember watching her. She was riding her motorcycle in Iceland, and I was like, oh my God, I got to talk to her. And typical me, I think I got on her nerves on the Instagram post. I was like, are you in Iceland? I think she said, yeah. And I just kept asking questions. I think she was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and then typical, and typical my fashion. But my guest today is the incredible, the incomparable, the bionic woman, Vanessa Ruck. How are you, Vanessa? Hey, hey, wow, what an introduction. Thanks, thanks for having me on. <laughs> no, it, it, that introduction does, does not do you enough credit and uh, well-deserved credit. You know, I try to do a little homework on my guests before, and I did, and I hate nothing. I knew nothing about her, and the more I I delved into your uh, story, the more I was just impressed with that overall attitude of yours. You know, there's little bitty setbacks, and you just keep going with that positive attitude, and that's what I love your story. So, I want to get to your story and tell people I knew how you grew up. As a matter of fact, tell me how you grew up. I know you were an active girl. From from the get go, but you weren't into motorcycles. What was your uh, uh, up, up, upbringing like? I had a wonderful childhood. I'm going to be honest. My parents were all about pushing you outside, making you entertain yourself. If I was bored, it was me having a lack of imagination to entertain myself, and it was climbing trees and making huts. I was really lucky to be around horses as well, and they taught me to bike and kayak and. Uh, what else did we do? Boogie boarding, everything outdoor. It was a really outdoorsy childhood. Um, and then once I went to university, I really opened my eyes about some of the sports that are out there and started things like snowboarding and skydiving, rock climbing, kite surfing. And yeah, I was an incredibly fit athlete. Uh, rather, I'd say addicted to adrenaline is the easiest way to describe it. <laughs> But in, in a way, in a way, we were different growing up because we didn't have a lot of social media or electronics really weren't into our uh, the lifestyle. then. so we did have a kind of a, a, a head start on the kids now. I mean, you know what I mean? Like outside was the thing to do. Yeah, totally agree. I um, it scares me when you see kids nowadays just stuck to a screen. It's not not really life experience in the same way that. I enjoyed growing up, that's for sure. It makes me sound like a really old lady. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm older than you. I'm way older than you. I'm not going to tell you how old, but I'm way older than you. So I know what you're going through, but it was the greatest. Just to, I mean, we had an imagine, like you said, just to climb a tree. It sounds like nothing now, but that's the greatest. To climb a tree, to, to, to hang from a tree, to be scared, and you jump. And you go, I made it. And then if you fail, you fell. But that was part of growing up. And you get the little scratch and, and you rub the scab off. I mean, how fun was that? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so growing up, okay, so we go to your adult life. And, and I want to talk about the accent because, I mean, it seems to me, though, yeah. life came from, I mean, how you are now stem from that accident and I know about it and, and I've heard you on other things talk about it but for my uh, listeners who don't know your story tell them what happened yeah. on that uh, faithful day in March yeah absolutely so I used to commute to work every day by bicycle 16 mile commute and rain or shine snow ice whatever I got on my bicycle and that is how I got to work 
It was a pretty standard Tuesday. I'd left work for the day and I got about a mile down the road cycling away. The traffic light in front of me turned green, so I pedaled on. I was actually on the way to the wakeboarding lake to meet my husband and some friends for an evening on the water. And a car coming the other way decided not to stop at their red light. And they cut across in front of me and left me with nowhere to go. And I went straight into the side of the car and in that moment, like that, life as I knew it changed. Now, my right shoulder took the full impact and I landed onto my right hip. And being completely straight, I wasn't a bleeding mess on the side of the road. I wasn't scraped up by paramedics. I did go to hospital in an ambulance. I was discharged later that evening with bruising. Now, if we fast forward seven and a half years... I uh, had a seven-year recovery with seven surgeries and a reconstructed right shoulder and right hip. So if you think about the actual implications of the impact with that vehicle versus bruising, it gives you a bit of an understanding of quite how much of a battle and a fight it has been trying to get my body back to I've always had the goal of getting body back to being pain-free. I've unfortunately had to readjust my expectations to more having a body that I'm still able to push and, and do sports and have an active lifestyle. Pain is something I live and manage with, with my hip. But it's the one home, the one body I'm ever going to have. So I'm not going to stop. Um, just because it, it hurts. Unfortunately, you know, the accidents happened and this is the home that I've, I've got to live with. So I'm incredibly proud of where I have been able to get my body to through my recovery. And I think something I really want to emphasize when I say recovery is that physically, you know, seven surgeries is a serious toll on the body, but mentally my recovery has been even harder, I would say, almost than physical, because, um, you know, mental health is a, a very challenging element of, of life as well. So it's been both physical and mental in that journey. Well, I was going to talk to you about the mental because even before the accident, and I thought, you know, that's where it started, but it actually started when you were 13, when you found out you had uh, Vilago, is it? Vitiligo. Vitiligo. And you said 13, there's a little spot and it spread. How did you deal with that from such an early age? And did that help you in your recovery from your accident with the bicycle? Because you already had maybe a setback from there. Because when you're teenage years, it's everything is so, I mean, it, it's the, the, the genesis of how we become adults. So did that help you in your healing from the accident? Yeah, so for anyone who's not sure what vitiligo is, it's a hereditary um, immune disorder where your skin loses pigmentation and you get white patches. So I've got white patches all over my body now, including all over my face. And my first patch, as you said, was when I was 13. I found it really, really hard to cope with that. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I tried to seek medical support to cure it and treat it. There is no cure for vitiligo. There's loads of fake myths and scam brands that will try and take your money. But unfortunately, there isn't a medically known cure at this point of time. It is just something that you learn to live with. And actually, I think something the accident really has taught me with the vitiligo is that I'm almost really lucky to have vitiligo because of all the different skin conditions there are, vitiligo is purely cosmetic. It doesn't hurt, it doesn't itch, it just looks different. So actually, it's just something to cope with on a, on a, a, a sort of an appearance side, which can be really hard. I'm not gonna downplay how hard it was every time it spread to a new area of the body. I kind of had to re-accept who I was and what I looked like. And when it hit my face, that was the hardest. I've learned to camouflage and manage my face. So no one really ever knows it's on my face. You can you know, see it all over the rest of my body. But it makes me unique. And just like my scars from the accident, it's just story of who I am. And I'm actually kind of proud of it, particularly the one on my hand that looks like a dinosaur. He's called Ra. <laughs> the white patch is shape of a dinosaur. Now, did you ever get teased when you were a kid because of Vitiligo? Did you ever get teased? I'm not oh, teased. yeah, yeah. Kids, kids are horrible. Yeah. I like, oh, is it contagious? Oh, what's wrong with your skin? You're disgusting. Don't come near me. I might catch it. 
kids can be really cruel. They really can. So something that I definitely try and do through my social media channels as the girl on a bike is be really open about my skin. I never try and cover it up or hide it. And every so often I'll do an educational post sort of reminding people what it is in the hope that if people are more aware of it, then maybe people will be less unpleasant about things like it and it as well of education. Well, did you ever tell the kids, you know, Michael Jackson has it and he's the greatest entertainer in the world. So, you know, you tell them to kiss your ass because of that. Say me and Michael Jackson <laughs> like this. You should have told them that. He said Michael Jackson has it. Yeah, so I should have done. Unfortunately, when you're a little kid, you don't always have the confidence you have as an adult. Well, yeah, but still, man, I, I wish Michael, you know what? That's what I wish Michael Jackson would have done with that back oh, in the day. Yeah. Like, I have this. So anybody that has it, especially for a kid, if a kid looked up to the greatest entertainer in the world and he said, I have this, think about it. That would have that would have had a, a big, a profound effect on you. Like, if he has it, then it's not that bad. And it made a better outlook mentally for you. Yeah, well, I actually got offered the same treatment he had of bleaching my whole body. And I decided that I'd rather be patchy. So I didn't bleach, but yeah, I totally agree. Standing proud and being real, I think helps a lot of people, which I suppose is what I've tried to do with my whole recovery is if I can share some of the stuff that I've learned through my recovery and it helps somebody else with what they're battling, then it kind of makes what I've gone through a little bit more worthwhile somehow. Yeah, but you know, this is hindsight being 2020. We're talking about it now. I mean, growing up in it, I mean, I, I, it, everything changes in life for the better. If you don't look at social media, I'm a firm believer everything changes in life for the better. I grew up loving rock and roll. And, you know, back in the day, that was like, oh my God, you're black and like rock and roll. But nowadays, it's no big deal. So, yeah, we look at it from, from today's perspective. Yeah. But that would have helped so big. But I honestly, in a way, I thought, I was just thinking, like, wow, if you would have bleached your body, how'd that, how would that have? looked i mean no offense but you're already you know you know and <laughs> i'd be really really white i'd be pale i'd look i'd be albino wouldn't i i mean for about 10 years my way of coping with my vitiligo was fake tan and i put fake tan on every other day really for a good 10 years to conceal it to cover up all the vitiligo on my body and it was when i met my husband he helped me realize that i didn't need to do that that's great. I mean, when somebody accepts you for who you are as a person and you can let down that, that did you, do you have a wall up in the, in the beginning though? Like maybe when you first met him, like you had a wall, like, I, I don't want to show this part of me or whatever. Cause I'm afraid like maybe he'll push me away. Um, I don't think it was a wall with him. I think it was a wall with the world because I wasn't putting fake tan on for him. It was for my confidence going out of the house. Right. And I find that fascinating. And that's what I, I found fascinating about your whole story is that, you know, like I said, from the outside looking in, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, the, in, I'm the Instagram stalker. And I, you know, and I saw you and I saw, I was like, oh my God, this woman's beautiful. And then to find out your story. And if you go to your YouTube channel and everything, it's so much fun. You're so positive. You're so, you go for it. I mean, you do. And then to get the backstory, that's what makes it, all the more wow you have the wow effect and and my thing is i just want somebody to look at you and go if she went through that then i can go through anything because what you do now is just unbelievable i mean i look at you now i watched last night i go well if she can do this damn it i can do this and i mean it from the bottom i saw you doing the romantics and for people who are unaware, who don't know the bike lifestyle, please explain what the Romaniacs is like to the unaware. Like to my producer, Wyatt, who's, who's 19 years old, never been on a motorcycle. He, he doesn't even know who Pearl Jam is. So if, explain what that is and how hard it is. Uh, okay, so Romaniacs is, is tagged as the hardest hard enduro rally in the world. It is a five-day race through the Carpathian Mountains in Romania through extreme terrain and really insane sort of conditions that you've got to navigate following navigation on your handlebars and then survive through ridiculous terrain. If you go on YouTube and search Romaniacs, you'll definitely have some entertainment looking at some of the riding clips. It's physically incredibly demanding quite long riding days and um 
it was amazing. I mean, I felt so alive every second of doing that race. The fact that I managed to make the finish line and complete it, particularly with my body, I'm really proud. But I mean, I'd say there are about 500 riders and there are six women. Wow. So it kind of gives you a little bit of a vibe of the sort of race it is that um, more women need to be doing it because women are perfectly capable of doing these things as well. We've just got to train and we need a little bit more skill than the guys because we don't necessarily have the same body mass and strength, but it's totally possible. Well, I, I saw you train and during the remaining, and correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you have a crash on your shoulder and you injured your shoulder, but you still finished? Explain that. Yeah, so it was the week before the race training. I had a really horrific over the handlebars down a hill where I hit a tree. And I did a ACJ grade one separation of my shoulder, mm. which was pretty painful, but I pushed on and I did the whole of the Romaniacs race. And then on the finish line, so Romaniacs are known for silly crowd pleaser objects on the finish lines, like the sort that just make mass falls, huge fails, and the crowds go crazy. And on the finish line, there was one of these, strangely, the object that I had the fall on isn't in a single video of Romaniacs. It's almost like they've silenced it. I don't know. But anyway, I just misjudged it. And it was like a six foot ramp. I landed it really hard. And my, that same shoulder, which was my good shoulder, not my reconstructed one, just didn't take that input. You know, day five racing, all your muscles were a bit tired. I'd already, already hurt my ACJ. And so it took a bit of a trauma through the handlebars landing hard and then I pulled a rotary cuff and got whiplash in my neck and anyway I've been resting it for the last six weeks and I've got my next race in two weeks so hopefully I'm planning to get on a bike tomorrow uh, but I can do a push-up again now it's doing really well but it's been um, a bit of a shock of rehab really I mean I've done so much rehab through my recovery and accident and I'm very used to doing that for my hip so to suddenly have another body part hurting, it's like, oh, okay, this is weird. <laughs> You're like the English evil Knievel is what you are. Amelia, you really are. Like, it, you know, I, I, was, I was trying to keep up with you when we went back and forth on social media and I messaged you. I could just feel the urgency or like you were doing something. You were very nice and polite, but I felt like, okay, this woman's busy. I just, I mean, I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you when I talk. And I just felt that because you were like, I can do this now, but I got to be in Italy on Thursday. So, and I go, okay, I got you. And, and you're always go, go, go. And during the middle of the Romania, and you know, you, like I said, you hurt your shoulder. Like the mental aspect when what was there a day during that five day where you got up or you got off the bike and you're like, okay, I, mm, or was there like a doubt that crept in or did you leave that out? Yeah, massively. And if you watch my Romaniacs video on YouTube, you'll see some of my my tougher moments. But I think it was morning of day five and end of day three. I was really struggling with hip pain, um, bit bit of tears, but. I'd got that far, there was no way I was ever gonna give up. I knew I was able, I just needed to keep believing myself, do a little bit of extra physio, some deep tissue therapy on my hip, get a good night's sleep and keep going. But I definitely have lots of moments where I, um, I wonder how I can keep going. Now, where does that come from, but, though, the mental? Where does that come from? Because, you know, I watched the, the picture of you. The only picture, basically, of you I've ever seen where you're not smiling is you in that hospital bed, and I think it's after one of your surgeries, and you just look like, you know, like, I'm over it. And I, and I want to know, what were you thinking in that moment? Like, it, like, how low did you get, and how did you keep from going down that rabbit hole i mean what got you out and what got you to the point like i'm not gonna let this defeat me because there's times in life man i'm not gonna lie and i get it sometimes the older you get you understand that sometimes you can bang your head against the wall and you go okay and you succumb to that dark side what made you go no i'm not going down there it, it didn't work out now but i'm gonna get that positive mental attitude and i'm gonna uh, overcome this first thing to say here is that I'm not superhuman. I'm just a normal girl battling the challenges life has thrown me. And I've 
definitely had really dark low moments I'm not going to pretend they haven't happened it's all part of the journey that I've been on there's a massive element of the fact that I'm very aware that I only have one life and it's very easy for people to say oh but how did you not give up and it's like well I, I don't have a choice I, there, there is no option to give up. If I give up, what do I do? I just sit on the sofa and cry and feel sorry for myself. That's probably going to be a lot harder in the long run than trying to fight it, than trying to make steps every day to pull me forwards, to move me out of the dark patch that I'm in. Like, what have I got in my control that I can use to help myself? Is there someone that I could call to speak to, like a friend or a mum who's going to give me a little bit of extra energy that I need right now? Is there a nice song that I could put on to uplift me? Could I go sit in the garden and listen to the birds? And obviously at some point I couldn't do that. I was, in, I was stuck in bed. But there's always something that I could find just to put a little smile on my face. And those tiny little smiles throughout the day lift your overall energy. So I think goal setting was an important one and goal setting as far as little wins through your days through to bigger things. So like for example, when I first got my first off-road bike, I came up with the idea that I wanted to start off-roading whilst bed bound from my first hip surgery. We went out and we got me, this is my husband who's super supportive, got me an off-road bike and it was five months until I could even sit on it. Wow. But it was sat there as a reminder Every day when I hurt too much, when I wanted to give up, when I couldn't find the energy to get out of bed, didn't want to do my physio, the bike was sat there as a reminder. Come on, Vanessa, you want to ride your dirt bike. But then there were also short term goals that would give me energy. So managing to put my socks on from on my own, managing to go to the toilet by myself or make it downstairs to have dinner. Going down to dinner was a really big one. And they were little wins that I could have that would enable me to make little celebrations inside and feel my progress. Mindfulness has been really important in my mental state. And that is through something that I've kind of named my trigger points. So mindfulness has taught me that I'm in control of my thoughts. And it's about learning to move your subconscious thoughts to your conscious thoughts and controlling them. So I'll try and explain this. If you think about what we're thinking, what we're thinking directly transfers into emotions. And emotions actually can be quite physical because they make you feel sad or tight or upset or angry. And so when you can start to, to be more conscious about your thoughts and recognize your trigger points, so an example of one of my trigger points is when I first start to think about my hip pain and focus on the fact that my hip is really hurting. When I first get that thought, if I ignore it and let my thoughts continue, I will go into this downward, negative, self-hate, self-pity. Why do I have to hurt? I wish I had a different body. This sucks. I I can't cope with this anymore. And I get more and more and more and more upset in this downward spiral until I'll start to cry. I'll get really upset. Then my husband will be upset because I'm upset. And at the end of it, I'm in the exact same body, the exact same pain and the exact same situation. But now I'm upset. So if we rewind and when I first get that trigger point, I recognize it and go, ah, no, Vanessa, we're not having those thoughts. Get out. Let's think about the birds outside. Let's call someone. Let's put some music on. Let's focus on anything else, but we're not going down that road. I then save myself. The emotional pain is something that doesn't help me any with anything anyway. All it does is gets me upset. And I think mindfulness has been one of the most powerful tools that I've learned through my recovery. And it's not about ignoring the situation you're in. It's about processing and coping with the situation to keep your energy in a in a position that helps you stay happy I suppose you know having gratitude for what is around you not focusing on the negatives if I've explained that oh. no I think it's beautiful okay like what what 
what song or what music got you through? I mean, like for me, I love listening to like, and it sounds people give me a lot of grief for this, but I love EDM because EDM electronic music, like Carl Cox, it's always a good at boom, boom, boom. It's always positive, and it's it puts a smile on my face. I don't care what people say. I don't care. I just it puts me in a good mood. It's like boom, 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 and you kind of little little jump here and just to dance. And it sounds so cheesy, but I'm a cheesy person, as you can tell. It it, it makes you just go. And if you get a little if you get a little jig here, a little whatever, and go, hey, you know, and just doing something, it gets you through. So what music or songs got you through? Oh, I'm a big country, country fan. Oh, look I at went you. to yeah. <laughs> your, okay, new country or old country? Mm, probably new country. Like who? Like who? Oh man, I'm so bad with like artist names. Um Luke Bryant? I have a playlist on Spotify that I made. <laughs> up, uplifting happy country music, if you want to search Wait, it. uplifting happy? That, that doesn't exist, uplifting happy country. It's all about losing her truck, losing her job. Okay, well, some, some of it's not that. Yeah, uplifting happy country music, feel good. That is my playlist. You can search it. Okay, cool. So, I don't know, Lily Rose, Julia Cole, Trace Atkins, Clay Walker. Oh, there's loads. I mean, it's got loads in there. Jake Owen. Oh, I like I like Jake Owen. I like Jake Owen. I like uh, I like Waylon Jennings. Uh, Brian Johnson. There's loads in there. Shooter Jennings is good if you're saying listen to Shooter Jennings. But a lot of country is about getting drunk and losing your truck and everything. I love her. Just feel good. It's happy and uplifting. <laughs> well, you it's know got what? like a little story. So when you're lying in bed in pain yeah. and you listen to country music, you can almost listen to the story. Yes. Because then generally is a story in the song. Yes. So it's actually really good at distracting your mind. I, I tell people all the time, the greatest song, and I don't think it's country, I think it's just folk. The greatest, one of the greatest songs of all time is Ode to Billy Joe by Bobby Gentry. And I want you to download that when we get off this uh, podcast. I want you to download that and, and you're going to go, oh my gosh, this guy knows everything and you'll, you'll, you will, <laughs> and we will be tighter than Presley's pants after this is all over. You listen to that song, you go, yes, this is the greatest song ever. And I think you'll love that song too. It has just a great feel to it. It's called Ode to Billy Joe. And I want you to listen to that song and I think it'll, it'll have okay. a few difficult moments also. <laughs> I just love, I love that it's country music and I had nothing wrong. With it. I grew up like that too. I grew up originally in Oklahoma, born and raised. And by the way, you went through, and this is a big, I can't say a beef I have with you, but you did Route 66 and you said, uh, you said America, he goes, American coffee is mostly filtered and you get unlimited refills, but European coffee is still the best. And I took, and I, and at first I was like, are you serious? And then I go, eh, she's right. But I don't know why, but it hit me hard. It just, it hit me, oh. <laughs> it hit me in the gut. I was like, really? And I thought, and then I, I thought about it, I go, yeah, she's kind of right. You know, like when I travel and get coffee, it's so much better in Europe, but I just, I just love American. I, mean, I Yeah, I, 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 had, I, had a, I had an issue with you on that one. I did. And I want to make sure I got that out. I want to make sure I got I'm that out. I'm glad that's the only issue you have with me because that's, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. That's fine. I can cope with that. Now, now did you listen to any country music when you were, went to America on your Route 66? Uh, yeah, I'm sure I will have done. So I did um, an exchange to university in North Carolina, at Western Carolina University. So that's where I fell in love with country music. Now it all makes sense. We Americanized you, and that's why. That's when Western Carolina. Where where in North Carolina is that? Where is it? Where is that? North Carolina. Uh, Silver. Silver. Uh, so near, um, not too far from. Well, it's kind of long way from Charlotte. Um, what's the big next town? No Man, it makes me feel old. It must be Stop like it. thirteen years ago. Stop it. There. Stop it. I'm still older than you. Matter of fact, I can tell you to go to bed right now. Like, you know what? Go to bed, Vanessa. I can say that's, that's how older I am than you. So Wait, it's say. too early for my bedtime. <laughs> so how did you like America? I mean, especially in the South, did you eat a lot of fried foods? Did you eat any, uh, did you like, did you like sweet tea? Did you like sweet tea? Not a fan of sweet tea. No, <laughs> I, I did eat fried food. Uh, I've done quite a lot of America, to be honest. So I what I haven't done yet is West Coast. I've done a lot on the East Coast. Oh, you you will love the West. Honestly, you gotta come back. I wanna go to Utah off-roading. Yes, you've you've got to come back to the West and yeah, it, it's beautiful out there. It really has great riding. I went out there a couple of years ago. I rode from here. I live in Indianapolis here, and I rode to California and I went to Utah. 
and up to Sierras and Nevada, and it is mm-hmm. gorgeous. Sounds amazing. Really gorgeous. What was your favorite American dish in the South? Your favorite American dish? Favorite American dish? Yeah. Oh, I know. Cactus blossom bloom. A, a cactus bloom. Uh, the onion bloom from uh, from Outback. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like deep fried, that was pretty amazing. But to be fair, so my husband and I did a honeymoon in Texas, we did three weeks. And for 19 of the 21 days, we had steak. And you just can't beat a really good steak with some chips and vegetables. Mm. Oh, look at you. We Americanize this woman. Did you have a steak in Amarillo? Did you have that steak in Amarillo? Did you, did you do the 72 ounce challenge? I saw the 72 ounce challenge, but I didn't do it. Oh I um, I don't think I could hide 72 ounces. I don't think it would fit in my body. Well, well, listen, you can ride motorcycle with the best of them, but really, a 72 that's what scares you, the 72 ounce challenge? Really? Well, it's probably not the 72 ounce. It's the sixth portion of fries and the four sides <laughs> and the other stuff you've got to eat with it. <laughs> well, okay, listen. Now, being American, I already know, but did you get, did you get what we call the itis? And that's where you, after you eat, you just go to sleep. Like you eat all that food and it just sits in your stomach. You just kind of, like you get that kind of like mid-afternoon. It'd be one the o'clock. Food coma. Yeah, did you get the food coma? We call it the itis. When you're black, you call it the itis. Uh, don't think so. We, I'm pretty active when I'm out there. How, how, how Burning much, it off. How much weight did you guys gain when you came to America and, and then went back? Like how much weight did you gain? Because I know America food is like the fattest. That's why we're the fattest country in the world. Um, generally every time I'm over there, I'm doing sports, so it's all right. <laughs> I love it. I love if you're active, it. you can eat it. That's the theory. Yeah. You, you do sports so you can eat. I think, I think that is great. I love it. So you're on the bed. So country music got you through. And then now, what people don't understand is you, you weren't, it wasn't like you were a poster, but you weren't really in the motorcycles back in the day. What made you get into motorcycles? Okay, do you want the brief story or the slightly longer story? Girl, this, this is your time. This is your, you tell me. You, okay. you do it how you want to do it. Okay, so I was living in the Bahamas when I was 20. Must be nice. What were you doing, modeling? No, oh my gosh, no. My undergraduate degree was international business studies, and I did a, a year of work placement in the middle, and I got a job doing marketing and PR for a marine biology research center in the Bahamas on a remote island of Eleuthera. Someone had to do it. Why not me? It's pretty cool. <laughs> okay. So I moved out there and as a student, I couldn't afford a car, but I needed a way to get around the island. Now there wasn't a motorbike on the island and I'd never ridden a motorbike, but I was like, how hard can it be? Other people do it, it was fine. And online, I found a Lifan 250, which is basically like a Chinese wannabe Honda, right. had it shipped in and it arrived in a box. Now, I'm not talking about a motorcycle in a box. I'm talking about the parts of what would be a motorcycle if you knew how to put them together in a box. Like, oh, dear goodness, what have I got myself into? Back then, I had no mechanical knowledge. Um, Thankfully, I traded a bottle of rum with a local bush mechanic, and he put my bike together, and he told me where the button was and the twist and the kick, and I never really remember learning to ride it. It was just a proper practical means to an end for me to get around the island. I worked out that I could strap my spear for spearfishing down the side, fins and snorkel on the back, and I was off buzzing around the island. Uh, That was my way to get around. I then came back to the UK. I didn't see myself as a biker, so I didn't ride. Uh, I didn't get a bike. I had no desire to get a bike. Didn't really get it, I suppose. Finished my undergraduate degree, did my master's, years went by where I didn't have a motorcycle, and then the accident happened. Now, the accident I'd describe as a roller coaster as far as my recovery. So if you think about the ups and downs on a roller coaster, my recovery across seven years was like that, where I had it worked out one surgery a year for seven years. And that means that there were times in between surgeries where I was a little bit more physically able, a little bit more active, but then I'd have really deep lows where I was bed bound again and up and down. And in one of the higher first points of this roller coaster, I was struggling getting to work. I used to commute and cycle and the traffic was killing me, the parking in the city, the time. And I was having a gin and tonic one Friday night with my husband and I just sort of drifted off into my own little world and I was like I should get a motorbike my husband was just like what I was like it's genius I can skip the traffic 
don't have to worry about parking, save money on fuel and it'd be really, really fun. Now, at this point, I wasn't thinking about the fact that getting a motorbike meant I'd have to go back on the road. And I can't emphasise enough how terrifying it was going back on the road and how much of a mental battle that was. Yeah. And so anyway, I went out and got me a motorbike and I sort of overcame the fear and got, got to the point that I was riding. And that first motorbike, what I didn't realise is that motorcycles breed. And once you have one, you kind of want another <laughs> one. And then you want a different one. And then N plus one. And they just spread and grow. And before you know it, you've got like eight motorbikes. <laughs> They're like rabbits. They're like rabbits. They're more yeah, <laughs> seriously. I try to tell that to everybody and they don't understand. I mean, it's like... <laughs> Once you get a motorcycle, to me, I can't understand how people don't have that same kind of feeling because, I mean, it's just that feeling. I mean, we know, but I try to convey that to my producer who's 19. I love him to death, but he doesn't understand. It's like you get one, <laughs> you want another. Like, I want a scooter now. I, I finally got the dirt bike now, and I, I hope one day I hope to ride with you. I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. I hope to ride with you. You kick ass, and I and I would just love just to be behind you and just watch you navigate, because I do the best I can. That's what you say to kids that suck at sports. Just do the best you can, and I do the best I can, but watching you Gave, gives me so much like inspiration when you jumped that rock you had a rock and I remember you going and you were and you were nervous and you said it in your in your helmet oh god what am I doing and you got big air and you jumped and you crashed and I was like oh my god and but the fact that you did that that was inspiring <laughs> to me and I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart so yeah I want to do enduro with you that would be the greatest but yeah I want a scooter and that, that, that's another bike I want. And I want an in-town cruiser. And then I want a long, long, long-distance cruiser. And, then, I mean, I, yeah, I want to, like you said, breed bikes. I want, And I want to know mm -hmm. from you, how did you get the name Thug for your Harley-Davidson bike? Which I think is the greatest name for a Harley bike. Her, she has a bike named Thug. How did that come about? She actually named herself. The license plate that she came with had THG in it. And I was like, fuck, there you go. And the name stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You should, you should get a tattoo. You have no tattoo. You should get a tattoo that says thug life. That would be so good. Oh, crazy. God. If you had that. Oh, God. You, you no, I don't think I need that tattoo. <laughs> no, I, th I think you do. If you had that in Game of the United States, you would get so much street cred. You go to any hood in America, they go, oh, there she is. That's Vanessa Thug Ruck. <laughs> Vanessa Thug Ruck. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think that would be great. You yeah. ride a Harley. And, okay, so you got the Harley. Which came first, the Harley or the dirt? I mean, after the dirt bike. Harley was first. So... My husband and I, he's in the Royal Air Force and he was in Afghanistan for one of our wedding anniversaries. And when he came back, I organized for two Harleys for an afternoon just to remember our honeymoon where we rode two Harleys for a, a bit of our trip in Texas. And we had zero intention to buy. We were just going to go out on the afternoon with these two Harleys. And what I didn't realize is that the purchase of those two Harleys would probably be or would be the best decision in my mental recovery from the accident. So at a time when I was physically no longer able to do the sports, like all of my friendship circles, love the lifestyle, everything changed and gone. And uh, I didn't see friends that I used to see because they would still want to go off kite surfing and I wasn't physically able. And I didn't really see the point of going on holiday like I can't do sports. I don't want to go on a spa break or a city break. What's the point of taking holiday? And then the Harley made me realize that I could have a bit of adrenaline, a bit of wind in the hair and adventure whilst effectively sitting on a comfortable sofa with an engine. Like the Harley is so comfortable. It's got a really open hip position. And to this day, it hurts me less being on my Harley than it does being in a car. Because until you have chronic hip pain you don't realize quite how much joint movement it takes to move from the pedals on, of the vehicle yeah. and so the harley we then got these two harleys and over the next following three years we did over twenty thousand miles on them did well maybe 15 plus countries across europe rode all the way down to croatia and back and it was 
a new sort of zest for life, I suppose. And then as my recovery kind of pushed on and I got more and more active, the pre-accident Vanessa, as far as the adrenaline and the sports was coming back to life or constantly trying to get back to life. And it was like, well, how do I combine my new love of motorbikes but with the adrenaline of sports. And that's when I went, aha, I want to go muddy and get off-road. And so that's where the off-road journey then started. That's beautiful. So basically, honestly, motorcycles essentially, can I say it saved your life? I mean, that's it's a big step, but then I don't mean that in the, in the literal sense, but in a way, didn't it? It helped in your recovery. So it did kind of help you progress yeah it's definitely revitalized my life given me a new sense of direction and uh i mean it's certainly my my new hobby and addiction now everything two wheels puts a big smile on my face and i think there's an element of when you're on a motorcycle particularly off-road you are so in the moment Yes. you're focusing on the train the bike your body the position of the bikes everything around you that there's there's no scope for anything but the moment that you're in there's no scope to focus on on your body or what's going on you've just got to survive the terrain that you're in and i think that element makes me feel incredibly alive with my body somehow it just takes me to a, another place are you a Gemini? You seem like a Gemini. I mean, that's how I am. Like, once I find something I like, I just gravitate to it. That's why I call it Tales from the Gemini, because it's like I have varied guests, but my heart is always into people with motorcycles. I mean, I, I have, like, I had a chef on a couple weeks ago. I have a, had a comedian on, but when it comes, but my heart, heart, heart goes to people that ride. So, like, I feel like you're a Gemini. When were you born? No, I, my birthday is next week, 22nd. Oh, my um, God, happy birthday! So I'm a Virgo. Oh, and what what's the characteristic of a Virgo? They just go for no it? No idea. <laughs> Me. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I, I love that. I mean, you go for it. When did the racing part come into it? When did you decide, okay, you know, I'm doing okay here and there, but now I want to race because that, that takes to a different element. You can ride off-road, you can do whatever, but to race is a whole different element. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And the environment in a and the energy of riders around you in a race is so different to a practice day. Uh, okay, so I was riding with Paul Bolton, who is one of the, uh, the pro enduro riders. I was really lucky to meet him out in Spain, actually, and do some riding with him. And he was just like, Vanessa, you need to do Valley's Extreme. And I was just thinking, like, well, I didn't even know what it was. It's a race in South Wales, which is known for being one of the toughest hard enduro races in the UK. And I ended up looking it up. I just laughed at him. I was just like, dude, no way, I'd die. And he was just like, seriously, you can do that race. I've seen you ride. Get it done. Enter. Oh, my goodness. So I thought, well, if Paul Bolton believes in me, that's that's really saying something you know he knows what it takes to do that race he knows how i ride so i thought i know let's go and do the practice day on saturday and just see how we get on then we can watch the race on the sunday so we went on saturday with the goal of trying to do one lap absolutely loved it did three laps it was amazing and everyone there was just basically right vanessa you need to enter you need to do the race tomorrow so my husband and I, quick panic, changing tires, getting the bikes ready. And we ended up doing the race on the Sunday. And on the finish line, I got sort of interviewed. And I remember saying, oh, this is like the best day of my life. Even, uh, and someone said, what, even better than your wedding? And I was like, yeah, this is amazing. And I'm like, wait, hang on. No. Wait, the, the wedding, the wedding was, in, was, was amazing. And it was that was my first hard enduro race, yeah. and I guess I got the bug, and I just decided to do more. Driving home from that race, my husband and I decided to enter Romaniacs. No way were we able to race Romaniacs at that point, but we went right. Let's set a goal, and let's train and make it happen. And so we trained and we made it happen. And so my next goal right now, I don't know if you've heard of something called the Dakar Rally. I was going to ask you that and I was going to leave that for the reveal, but I, I was oh. writing questions down and I go- I ruined it. No, it, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, it's okay. I, I, I'll get over it. So, but, but I remember I was watching you going, 
And I was going, last night I was going, this woman's unstoppable. I said, I'm going to ask her if she ever thought about doing the Dakar. Because when the Dakar comes on, if I'm at home, I tell people, don't ever contact me when the Dakar is on because I will kill you. <laughs> I will murder you. Don't talk to me. Don't text me. Don't even whisper my name from afar. I'm watching the Dakar, and that's what I'm doing. And when I saw that as a goal, I literally went, yes! I mean, I screamed out loud in my room. I'm the kind of guy that does that, and I'm not even exaggerating. I go, yes! <laughs> And I was like, I man, I my respect for you was already here. Now it's like way up there. I mean, the Dakar is my dream race. If I had a choice between the Dakar and going out with like Beyonce or Rihanna, I'd be like, you know what, you girls go sing and do what you ever want to do. I'm going to the Dakar, and that's how much I love it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> I felt, I felt, I felt a little, I felt a little sarcasm there. I felt a little sarcasm. There. <laughs> But, I, but I'll, I'll let it slide. But yeah, so the Dakar, tell me how that came about and what are you doing to make that happen? Yeah, so myself and a teammate, Tim, who we would describe ourselves as eclectic people, special, but apparently I shouldn't say we're special because it's rude. Oh, stop it. Not your normal people to be going to Dakar. You know, I've got a reconstructed body only recently, what, four and a half years ago, started off-roading. Tim also recently started off-roading. He's ex-military and battles mental health, anxiety, depression. And so we have decided to form a team together under the hashtag because I can. And at the moment, I don't know what it's like over in the States, but in the UK, there's a lot of doom and gloom in the media. There's a lot of chat, particularly about school children and how they're being told they're the lost generation and they've had such a dramatic impact on their education that they're you know they're going to fail in life and honestly it's utter trash if you believe in yourself and you put the right steps in and you know work towards goals learn get new skills experience surround yourself with good energies remember that it's normal to give up but don't give up you know all of those kind of resilience mental health kind of things anything is possible so under this hashtag because i can we're going to be doing a school series around the uk nice and delivering free presentations to any school that will have us using our stories and the goal and the journey to project dakar to bring to life the fact that we can do whatever we want. You've just got to believe in yourself and, you know, take the right steps to make it happen. You know, there's only so many times a teacher can stand up in front of a class and say, you need to set goals, you need to be ambitious. And the hope is that through our very real stories, we can give some of the future generations a bit of inspiration to realize that it's not doom and gloom. And then as part of all of that, obviously, we are working towards getting to the start line and hopefully the finish line of Dakar 2023. Now, I realize at the moment I've got a lot to do, but that is the nature of a journey. I'm, you know, setting up my my bike as far as roadbook navigation. I'm doing the training. I'm doing, you know, starting rallies. At the end of the month, I've got a rally in Qatar. I'm then going to Morocco for another rally. Yes. And it's all about training and getting myself as much time on the bike, as much roadbook navigation as I can, working on my body with my physio to make it strong enough and resilient enough for the kind of length on the bike. You know, Dakar is 12 days where I could be riding for eight, 12 hours a day. Wow. So sleep deprivation is a big part of it. Uh, the nutrition is a massive part of it. And... I by no means think this is a small task. I think this is an absolutely monumentally terrifying challenge that I've set myself. But I genuinely believe that I have the mental strength to make it happen. The physical, you know, that's debatable. I'm going to work on that um, and hope that my slightly reconstructed body will allow me to, to do it. I certainly will do everything I can to make make it possible and I think a big part of the the energy that I hope this journey brings is actually an element of the fact that I'm okay with the fact that I might fail and I might not make the finish line but that's not going to stop me trying and putting myself out there that's all part of the journey too but what I can tell you is I will do absolutely everything in my power to make it come true 
I make it happen. It's all about trying. I mean, if you try, it's not, and it sounds so, like I said, I'm a cheesy person, but I, I really, I, I'm the one that when coaches wrestling practice talking this and everybody else would, whatever, when they listen, I was like, listen, like, yeah, you're right. And if you try, <laughs> if you do the best you can, the best you can to the point where, like coaches say, man, when you leave it all out there, you're going to finish so much higher than anybody else. If you focus everything, and sometimes some people are just better than you and whatever, but if you if you focus everything, you put everything out there and you try and you try, and if you do fail, you look back and go, you know what, man, I did the best job I can sometimes. It, and, and I always say this, sometimes it just bees like that. Sometimes it bees like that. And I look at that, the deck, or just the fact, it's got to give you that, that prickly feeling all over your body. Like, this is, like it's there. And there's a, and it's like, you know, it's coming. There's a date. So it's got to make you kind of, kind of anxiety, I guess it is or whatever. But because of that, it makes you push forward because you got that goal. I set my goal. This is what I want to do. I mean, that's got to be the best feeling in the world. Know you have a support team with your husband, with that, that partner you mentioned. And people, I can't say uh, they're relying on you, but somebody like myself, Who's looking at you like, yes, she can do this. And I'm not just saying it because you're a guest. It's like, I was a fan before. You know what I mean? Like I said, I was stalking you on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And no, I really was a fan before. And like I said, I just laughed because I just remember you being in Iceland. And I was asking you questions on Instagram. I think you were just like, I'm done. You know, and I just, I just know it because I know me and I get on everybody's nerves. But, you know, but in my defense, it, it's all genuine. It really is. And so I get overly excited. No one believes that somebody my age gets that amped or excited as a grown ass man to another person. Cause I'm like, I'm loving your energy. No, I'm, I'm just gonna say, I'm like, I'm like an eight year old kid that still believes in Santa Claus. Like, okay. And then what? And you know, and I'm just like, if you know, I can't wait for you to be in that line for the Dakar. And when you finish that and I'm at home watching on whatever, I'm going to be like, yes, I knew she could do it. Cause I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent because I know somebody listening to this going, if she can do it and I'm hurting, then, then damn it, I can do this. You know what I mean? Cause I can't say, my whole body, I know what you're talking about with the body. I mean, like I said, my hips, I had both my hips replaced. I call myself Black Frankenstein because I got these long-ass scars going down the side of my body. And I know what that's like after the surgery. The day, I mean, the day of the surgery. And they wheel me back in the room and I'm all, you know, like, woo, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I can barely stand up, but I have to because I got to learn how to take a step. I got to learn how to, you know, get into the tub. I got to learn how to walk up steps right, how to walk down steps right, how to do this, how to your movements. So part of me understands that I can't put myself in your shoes because, I mean, you went through an accident, but I kind of know a little bit about that. So that's why I root yeah. for you and not just me, but everybody. When it's about when you say about the kids, you know, that having Belago, you know, somebody out there, some girl out there, especially in the teenage years, she's looking at herself, maybe going like, I'm ugly. And you can go and say, no, you're not. You're beautiful the way you are. You know, th yeah. don't listen to nobody else. Believe in yourself. And that's what you're doing right now. And we don't know there were inspirations of people, but you are an inspiration to somebody because you've been through that. Hey, at 13, I mean, that's for a woman, for a girl. And, you know, how they grow up and have something like that, that could be devastating. But you overcame that. You had that accident and you overcame that. And now you have to Dakar. The Dakar is going to be nothing to you. The Dakar is going to be nothing to you. You did the Romaniacs. You've done that. The Dakar is just another blip on your road to something else. It's just a part of the journey. I mean, it's the truth. Uh -huh. It's just part of that journey. So when you get the Dakar, by the time you get to that starting line and it's like boop, 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 somewhere you're going to go, I, and, I, and I hope, it's just me going, you're going to think, you know what, PT was right. This is just another part of the journey. And then go, and then you're going to go. I mean, you're going to think about <laughs> You can think about that guy. Hey, that guy from the from Gemini. He was right. It's just a part of. The, oh, I better go. And you go. You're gonna lose like a foot second because you're gonna think about this conversation, and you and you're gonna go. You know what? That dude was right. Boom. And then you're gonna go. You're gonna lose like a foot second, but you'll make it up on the second day. You'll be you'll be Toby Price, and then you, and then you know Toby's gonna be Toby. But still. Well, I was, uh, I don't, man, I'm, I'm just happy to finish. I don't think I'm gonna rank. <laughs> no, you're going. No, you're going to rank. You're going to finish, and you're going to rank because that's what you do. You you don't finish. You don't half ass anything. I watched your videos. The funniest thing to me, and I had to laugh. I don't know where you were at. <laughs> you were going downhill, and you're like, oh shit, 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 and you were going downhill. And the funny thing about it, here's where we're kind of like in the same because my dirt bike does this when you 
press on the front brake, it makes that sound. Everybody knows you're coming. Like, I mean, when I'm at the, I'm at the motocross track, he goes, and they go, would you oil that, please? And they know you're coming because he makes that sound. And I just had to laugh because it reminded me of myself. I love that. You're like, oh, shit, shit. You face challenges head on like we should. And there's no bullshit to it. You face challenges head on like you should. And you're not afraid to show like, hey, I'm scared. This is my emotion. You're seeing it. But I'm still going to do this damn thing. And if I fail, who got Like I said, I saw you crash. And they go, you okay? You're like, yeah, I'll be all right. And you get back up and you pick that bike up and you get back on it and you do it again. And that is a metaphor for life. What you do is a metaphor for life. Yeah, you get knocked down. Yeah, you kind of get like, you know, like I see the helmet cam is pointing toward the sky because you fell down <laughs> and, you're, and you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs trying to go, okay, I'm good. And you get back up and you do it again. And that's what's beautiful about you. I mean, it's the inside to me. That's what's beautiful about you. You you don't let anything keep you down. And I want and real quick, I know it's real quick. I know we're coming to the end, but I want to know. And we mentioned him, but I want. How did you meet your husband? Because he to me is that that glue that keeps it all together. Because he's an inc- I find him to be an incredible dude. Because you always mention him, and it's not in passing, but. He just seems like he's such a great guy. He's your support system when you need a support system. Tell me how you met him. Yeah, he is my soulmate, and I am incredibly lucky to share my world with him. Uh, We are very similar, two peas in a pod, kind of like that vomit-worthy couple to your friends because you're just, like, too cute. But, we're yeah, we're very lucky. Met him at university. Now, we met as much that we became friends on Facebook and then we went off and I was doing my master's he was doing his off the training in the uh, in the air force and it was about a year later he put a photo of himself hanging off a rock rock climbing topless he looked amazing by the way and I just commented on it and then he replied back saying well I've got to do something to you know to keep up with your profile pictures because I was living in the Bahamas and was always spearfishing and with sharks and um and then we started talking and then he asked if I wanted to go rock climbing and I was like yeah I want to go rock climbing so we drove down three hours to pick me up and we went rock climbing which was technically wasn't a date uh it was just going as friends and anyway the rest is history we've now been together 11 and a half years <laughs> yeah it's not a date but it's a date we all know it is like it's not a date but we all know it's a date and next thing you know hey you guys are happy. You're smashing goals together, and that's what it's all about. So you got the you got the Dakar as as a uh, you know that's in, in in the in the future. But here's what I want you to do. I want you, and I don't know if you maybe you've done it before. I haven't seen it though. Have you ridden the Arctic Circle yet? No. I want to see you do the Arctic Circle. I do. I I, I Jesse James. Wow. Jesse James did that, and the look on his face. I mean, he was all bundled up and he had, you know, the special gloves, but the look on his face, it, you thought he saw the face of God and it was frowning at it because he had to look like, and Jesse James is a tough dude. And I thought, you, you should do that. I want to see you do the Arctic Circle. I want to see you race the Arctic. I mean, not race, but just, just ride across it, ride across a frozen lake with spikes on the bike. Okay. <laughs> I can... I can see if I can make that happen. I don't even know where to start, but who says never? Maybe after Dakar, we can see if I can make that happen. But for the moment, I don't think I've got time for that. <laughs> well, well, what is next then after Dakar? Because sometimes, you know, I've talked to people like, I have a friend of there that's racing over at the, the uh, British Superbike Championships named Brandon Posh, and he lives over there. Uh, he's from America. And it was amazing because he won the championship in BSB in his division, but afterwards, he was kind of lost because he set the goal to be champion, but after he got it, he didn't set another goal. So he was kind of lost a little bit. At, like, so what are mm-hmm. your continual goals? Like after the Dakar, do you have a goal after that? Like, how does it go? Cause you, you, you established that you like to set goals and that's gotten you through life. Yeah. So the really honest answer is a little bit scary. Um, we might see whether nature allows our family to expand. Oh, the, the, a, a little one. Oh my God! Hey, I tell you what. How about this? How, how about you adopt a grown ass man like myself, 
and I'll come over there. <laughs> Listen, just hear me out. You adopt me, and then we'll all go ride motorcycles together. And I mean, I go, Dad, Mama, and then people are like, Is this? No, that's my mom, and that's my dad. That's my that's my stepmom. Not even stepmom. That's my dad, and that's my mom. Oh wow, you're funny. <laughs> to see what you'd say i mean i think it'd be great i mean the look on people's faces are we all one big happy family going to ride motorcycles together could work <laughs> i'm not saying no i'm just definitely not saying yes right now <laughs> i don't blame you but honestly i mean it from the bottom of my heart i think that'd be like motherhood is this something that's it's your is that that yearning you know i think women have that kind of like you know, to be a mom, is that, is it burning in you? Has it always been there? No, no, it's terrifying. But I know I would like to be a mom one day and I'm hoping by then I'll be feeling ready. The accident has definitely taken a big chunk of life that I feel like I'm uh, trying to make up for in some ways. Not saying that I wasn't living, but I didn't get to do the same level of adventure and stuff. So um, trying to cram in a lot and you know I want to do lots of adventures with the little one at the moment one of our ideas is to upgrade our van to a slightly bigger van and then just disappear on the road once once the little one arrives and just road trip it but we'll see don't really know what's going to happen then you know we have to see how our bodies behave and whether it's even feasible so we will see are, are you I'm sure the next chapter will be delivered by fate are you, are you afraid of slowing down? Are you afraid that it, having a, uh, a a little one, you afraid that would slow you down and, and that would make you go, oh, like I can't do this anymore because I have this? No, no chance. You can do anything with a kid. You just got to be more versatile and work a little bit harder. Uh, I don't plan to slow down. I love that. And how about a book? Do you have a book coming out or anything? Uh, I'm in the process of writing it. I've just not been very fast. I've done three chapters, so uh, it's it's getting there, but I need to lock myself in a room and write. That That's going to be a bestseller. I mean, because your story is incredible. It's totally inspiring. I mean, I mean, well, this for, no, from the bottom of my heart, I mean this with no bullshit at all. It, what you do and for people to see that it needs to be seen. And when they hear you speak, you need to be heard because it just shows people it can be done. I mean, we have, we all have setbacks no matter what, and it's okay. And like you said, it's okay to say, you know what? I'm not okay. And then you'll get that support. So I'm a firm believer in life. You put it out there. It comes to you. Somebody will come up to you and maybe, maybe, maybe it's just a little handling shoulder. Hey, it's going to be okay. And maybe, and that's sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes it's just a, it's going to be all right, you know? And, and you, yeah. and you have that. And the fact that, when more people see this or they go to your web, uh, go to your website or whatever, they're going to see like, if this woman can go through this and I can go through anything in life, you know, and I think that's beautiful what you're doing with that and the kids. And like you said, the Dakar, that's man. Oh my gosh. I, I, I can't wait. I think it's going to be exciting. Here's what I want you to do also is I want you to do, and I know it's coming up. I want to do, I, you went to your first MotoGP race at Silverstone and GP is my life. I spent the best vacation of my life in the UK two years ago. I went to Cadwell Park. I went to Alton Park. And then I had a track day at Donington, and then I went to Silverstone. So I've seen what people wrote. You find a way, and you do a track day at Donington. You find a way, you do a track day at Donington. Okay. Okay. And I probably, and then I want to see, I want to see you race. I want to see you race. That's why I want to do a road race. I want to see you race a road race. Oh gosh, I don't think I'll do that. I'll do a track day, but I don't think I want to do a road race. I want to see you do road. I like mud. I like mud. I, I love getting much. dirty too, but I mean, you've done everything. I mean, you got uh, Jenny Tenmount, who I want to get on this show so bad. Jenny Tenmount, she she did the she did the, the Isle of Man. She's one. Yeah, of your, oh, I know Jenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's one of your followers. Do me a favor, drop a drop a little whisper in her ear, like, "Hey, listen, do this guy's podcast. He's gonna annoy you, but he's he's really worth it. So if you could just drop a little drop a little hit, say, listen, he's gonna hit you up. Yeah, he's he's like that, but trust me, you're gonna love it. message her and say that you've spoken to me and you've done a podcast with me, and tell her to message me if she has any doubts. Uh, trust. Oh, trust me, I will, and she'll be like. Are you serious? This guy gets on my nerves. And you'll be like, I know, but trust me, he's fun and you'll have a good time and send. 
I mean that. I want to have her on. I, I've got your back. Don't worry. Have her teach you to road race. I think that'd be great. Man, I cannot begin to tell you, Vanessa, how happy I am to talk to you and just listen to your story and with no filter and just tell, and like you said, you talked about your fears. You talked what got you through. And that's what needs to be said because, you know, we all go through it and we all have to have something to get us through it. And I just think it was great that it was country music for you to get, you know, find a little place and, and about being aware and just finding, finding your, your, your why in life. And I think that's beautiful. So I can't begin to thank you enough for doing this, taking your time out. You're a busy woman. I can tell by your text. I can tell by your email. You're a busy woman. For you to take time to do this, I can't thank you enough. So thank you so much. Anything else you want to, uh, you want to talk about or plug? No, thanks so much for having me on. Anyone that wants to find me is the girl on a bike on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Although I feel like a granny on TikTok. Uh, yeah, I'd love for you to find me on this on the channels. Drop me a message if you've been touched by anything that we've talked about. My inbox is always open. And thank you so much for having me on. It's been an honor. Oh no, it's been my honor, Vanessa. I mean, if on the bottom of my heart, the girl on the bike, she is everything and then some. You guys have no idea. You look for inspiration. Look no further than this woman right here. Thank you so much for watching Tales from a Gemini. From the bottom of my heart, I appreciate it. And you know, like I always say about this time, you know the word. Pain.